God's Word can change your life. And so let's take a moment to just pray and ask God to speak something fresh to us because that has the power to change our lives. God, our ears are open to your Word. Our eyes are open to what you might want us to see in our lives. And I pray that you would open our hearts, uh, no matter how hard they are, open our hearts so that we can hear something afresh from you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, my message tonight is called, I Can't Help It. Uh, Have you heard that saying before? You've maybe have probably said that yourself once or twice. I just just can't help it. And uh, and I want to explain that really, really soon. Um, But first, I want to share a story, and then I'm going to get Levi to share a story. Um, And this is when I lived in Hodgsonvale. Who here knows where Hodgsonvale is? Okay, great. Okay, we've got got a a, less than I thought, but anyway. (laughs) So our family used to own one and a quarter acres out in Hodgsonvale. And when we moved there, um, there was so much land. We just had a push mower, and it begged the question, how are we going to mow one and a quarter acres. Now, you might think we could get the push mower out, that would be a lot of work. You might think that we would upgrade to a ride-on mower, that would seem logical. But no, my dad decided that we needed one of these. Cue picture. This, uh, <laughs> this was our pet cow. <laughs> and um, we, we, dad gave it its name, we weren't allowed to name it, and its name was Dinner because we weren't allowed to get attached to it because we were going to be having it at Christmas time. <laughs> but you know what? This is, this is our cow dinner, and because of this cow, I used to have to do the mowing um, at our old house, but because of this cow, I became really, really good at Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. <laughs> because I no longer had to do the mowing, the cow was doing the mowing for me. If I had to do the mowing, I would have lost a whole lot of Saturdays. And um, Pastor Levi, uh, where are you? Why don't you share your story about Saturdays? I have a similar Saturday story. Um, For for the last two or three, I've been digging out stumps and roots of plants, and anyone who has ever done that would know it is absolute torture. Um, I used a crowbar and a camping shovel. Uh, (laughs) And anyway, then Talitha had this brilliant idea, and I think we have a video of it here. Yeah! How satisfying Hashtag Australia, mate. (laughs) So good. There is another video where Levi does a little burnout because he gets a bit excited. Um... But hey, like Levi said, he put in so much work, so much of his effort. And then um, this was the simple option. Just like mowing our backyard, there was a simpler option. And if, if we had taken on these challenges with our own strength, I actually thought before I wrote this, I thought that that was your first choice. But I didn't know that you'd actually already slaved away a couple of days at it. But you know, in these situations, it would have been hard work We would have been absolutely wrecked, Um, but the tree was still there until he chose to use the right tools for the job and to get the job done. And so many things in life, we think, this is up to me to handle. I need to put in effort. I need to put in my power and determination. I need to get a crowbar. I need to get under that root man. I need to pull this out. And we, we end up expending so much of our time, 
so much of our energy into something that maybe we didn't have to do in the first place. We spend hours thinking about a caption for a photo on social media to try and get people convinced that our life is worth living. Some of us struggle with our mental health on, all on our own. I watched a YouTube video talking about depression that said most people don't ask for help for 10 years. Clinical depression. We try every day to get better and we just end up running out of energy. We try to push through a work day at work uh, with customers and situations thrown at us and we just try and persevere till the end and just not break down. Um, maybe for you it's every day facing an addiction, whether that's to food, overeating, to porn, to a substance, uh, to gossip, and you just try your absolute hardest not to give in. You put in all this effort, you really feel like you're giving it, you're, you're in the middle of a big fight, but somehow you just seem to keep giving into it. And, you know, it is a good thing to go up in a fight. You know, I feel like it is good that we want to fight these things. It's good that we want to be better people. It's good that we want to be bigger. We want to be better. Um, that's, that, that's great. But what's dangerous is when you are your only source of hope. When your only source of hope is what I can do for myself, that gets a little bit dangerous. Self-help is great, but I'll be honest, I'm just a broken vessel. I'm just a human. Humans make mistakes and humans have limitations. And for anyone who's battled with anything in the mind, anything mental, you'll know that my brain needs a rest. I need to be able to go to sleep. I can't be battling this thing right until I finally fall asleep at night. I can't be, I can't be up all night thinking about this thing. I need a break. This is not something that I can fight on my own. And hey, if you've tried self-help and, uh, and it didn't work for you, I just want to reinforce to you today that you are not a failure. And when I said that just then, that wasn't my words. Those are the words of God that you are not a failure. Who you are is not a failure. Just because you've tried to get better and it didn't work, you are not a failure. So many people try self-help and then it doesn't work and then they count themselves a failure because they couldn't even get it done. Oh, I'm a failure because I can't even love myself, so how will others? No, no, you're not a failure. It's just that you're trying to love yourself with your own effort. You need to first find out, find the God who loves you and then let that rub off on you. You're not a failure because you can't get rid of the pain that you're feeling. You've tried and tried to push through it and, and to get through and hoping for the day when it doesn't hurt anymore. And just because you're still feeling it five years later, you are, you are not a failure. It's just that maybe you've been relying on yourself a little bit too much or maybe even relying on uh, things that you thought would help that were your ideas, substances, uh, escapism, video games, porn. Maybe you think that you're a failure because you can't get rid of a habit because you've tried to get rid of it. And I know what it's like trying to kick a habit and you try and you try and you try and you push so hard and you feel like a failure because once again, here I am, a year later, it's the same thing. Why am I still struggling with this? But I just want to reinforce before we go any further, you are not a failure. Maybe we're just trying to do too much of our own. And just because you're dealing with an issue right now, it doesn't make you a failure. Just because you tried so hard on your own and the issue is still there doesn't make you a failure. Just because you seem to be breaking apart at the seams, even though you're trying so hard to be better, does not make you a failure. Whatever you're facing, 
you are not your issue. You know, just because I get a splinter, you know, a splinter is so small. Pastor Chris gave this example once, and I think it's so true. A splinter is so small, but it creates disproportionate pain. We think it's way bigger than it really is. It's so small, but the pain that we feel is disproportionate. And some people are so convinced that, that they are a failure because they felt so much pain from just a little splinter. But just because I have a splinter doesn't mean that I'm a plank of wood. Just because you have the issue doesn't make you that issue. Your identity is not that issue. You are not a failure. You are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21. You are a new creation. Right now, if you're in the chat, you need to comment, I am a new creation. And everyone here, say to the person next to you, I'm a new creation. You are a new creation. Romans 8 verse 5 to 6 says, People who are ruled by desires only think, by their desires, only think of themselves. Everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. And if our minds are ruled by our desires, then we die. (laughs) I love how blunt that is. If our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we have life and peace. Uh, If we follow our own desires, and and not just desires, but our own help, what we think is going to work, it ends up leading us to a place where we just fall apart. And Paul talks quite often about how there's flesh in all of us. And that's kind of what I want to talk a little bit about tonight. We all have flesh within us. We all have a we all have desires within us. The Bible, uh, whatever translation you're reading, some of them call it the flesh. Some translations say our sinful nature. Some of them say our selfish desires. But it's within us and we can't escape it. The fact that we have a selfish desire within us. We have a sin nature within us. And if we have that within us, and the Bible says that it's in every single person, but yet God calls us the righteousness of Christ, I think... I think that should give us hope that no matter what I'm facing, man, I'm not too far gone. I'm not too far gone. But it is also true that when we set our minds on selfish things, it does lead to death. And selfishness is not just about gimme, 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 being greedy. Selfishness is also thinking that you're the only person who can fix all your problems. And the only answer that you think of when you think, how am I going to fix this problem? You think of, what can I do? And I love what we do at church, how we try and bring practical messages to say, this is what you can do. This is what you can do. But um, at the end of the day, there's stuff we can do, but then there's stuff that we just absolutely need to rely on God for. There is a, there is a part where we get to the end of what we can do and it becomes God territory. There is no more work that I can do. And so that's why the title of my message is, I can't help it. And I feel like we've almost lost the true meaning of that phrase. You, think, you do something and you think, I can't help it. And you, that literally is the truth. You cannot help yourself. There is nothing that you can do to help yourself any further. You need external help. You need help from God sometimes when we say that phrase. And in Galatians 5 verse 16 to 17, it says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. There's the flesh again, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit, it gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces, they're constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So that first bit in there, I want to focus on where it says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So my first takeaway from today is we need to let the Spirit 
take the lead. I say to you, let the Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The ESV actually says, walk in the Spirit, and I'll explain that phrase soon, walk in the Spirit. But let's keep that verse up there. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think we like to ignore the order that we see here. It says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Too often we think, I've got to stop doing what the sinful nature craves, and then I can walk with God. But actually, it's the other way around. Hey, if you just forget about the fact that you have a sinful nature for a second, give your whole life to God, choose to let God lead you, choose to let the Holy Spirit lead you, then actually the sinful nature then gets dealt with. Too often we have this mixed up. We think, once I get this porn habit under control, once I can finally get sober, once I can clean up my mouth and stop swearing so much, once I can somehow stop my mind from being so anxious, but actually, no, 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 no. The order is first, let the Holy Spirit guide your life and then the sinful nature falls away. Too often we focus on willpower, determination, grit, and guts, and think if I can just wrangle this temptation, then I can walk in the Spirit. Then God will accept me. Then I'll be doing good. But no, no, you're just going to burn yourself out, trying and trying and not making any progress. And I can say firsthand, I've burnt myself out way too many times, just trying to deal with habits, trying to push through with my own strength, with my flesh, with my grit, with my manhood. <laughs> but hey, if you've burnt yourself, trying to f- burnt yourself out trying to fix yourself, then uh, it's time to get the order right. Yeah. Come on, man. It's time to let the Holy Spirit lead. Yeah. You know, I think about the Holy Spirit leading. I think about, I think about a parent and a child in a crowded shopping, se- shopping, shopping centre. <laughs> and a child can't, necessarily see where they're going. The aisles are huge. If it's crowded, there's so many people. They don't know exactly where they're going. They need a parent to lead them, hold them by the hand. Now, the child can choose if it wants to chuck a tantrum and sit down, but they're not going to make any progress. They can choose to run off, uh, but it's to their own peril, especially if you're an Ikea. (laughs) But when a parent leads... We trust that the parent has perspective. We trust that the parent can see over the aisles. The parent can see the flow of the people. The parent can see the exit. The parent knows where they're going. And when we choose to let the Holy Spirit lead our lives, we're choosing to say, you know what? I actually don't know what I'm doing. I keep running into walls. I keep bashing into aisles, running into knees, and I just need someone to lead me to this place. And when we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit, suddenly we don't make the wrong turns that we used to. We find that temptation seems to fall away without huge willpower or effort. And I can prove that in Proverbs 27 verse 7. It says, if you've had enough to eat, honey doesn't even taste good. But if you're really hungry, you'll eat anything. The New King James says, the man whose soul is full. To the man whose soul is full, honey doesn't even taste good. It's so true, right? If you filled up and filled up and, you've, and you, you're so full, it's like someone could offer you, um, I don't know, chocolate ice cream. Maybe you could fit something in. But if you're bloated type of full, you're like, man, even though that is so good, I can't fit it in. And when we choose to be led by the Spirit, led by God's Spirit, then every day He begins to fill our soul up. And our soul begins to be so full of His love. Our soul begins to be so full of direction that it gets so full up that when temptation comes, it's like, man, I know I really used to enjoy that, but I'm just so full. 
I've got so much. God has just filled me so much. I just don't have room for that old habit anymore. Uh, Anxiousness, I I don't have time to be anxious because God has given me so much hope for my future. I don't have time to feel that sadness because God has given me so much joy in the situation that I'm in. Be led by the Spirit first. So how? How do you walk in the Spirit? That phrase, walking in the Spirit, I really feel like it's as simple as just filling your soul being, and before being exposed to life, before you expose yourselves to those places where you run out of willpower, being able to fill your soul up. I love that Pastor Dean, one of our elders, he, he said to me once, and it just stuck me with me for ages, until now, uh, that church is like rain for the soul. And he said, because I, I said, oh, I forgot what you preached about on Sunday. It felt pretty bad. He was like, mate, it's okay. You don't have to remember what I preach about because your soul's getting filled up every time you're at church. Yeah. It's like rain for the soul. Don't feel bad if you, and so I don't feel bad if you forget all of this. I just trust that God is pouring his Holy Spirit, that his rain is hitting your soul. Church is like rain for the soul. And that's what it, that's what it means. Every Sunday, be here, be at church. Even better, get to life group. Man, it's just going to start to fill your soul up. And even better than that, daily Bible journaling. If you can start a habit of that, man, your soul's going to get so filled up. You're going to start to be led by the Spirit in such a way that it's like, man, for some reason, I just, it's, I actually just realized it's been a while since I've given into that temptation. I remember when I got on this, I was like, I hadn't journaled in ages and I felt really bad about it. And I was like, I'm going to journal every single day. I'm going to journal once a day. And I started to do it. And then um, three weeks later, I realized, you know what? There was something that I was dealing with three weeks ago that hasn't even come into my mind. It's because my soul's being full. So a few questions to help you out. What are you trying to tackle in your life right now with willpower, determination, and grit? What's the hardest thing that you worked on this week? What's the thing that you struggled with the most this week? And in your mind, what comes first? Is it overcoming struggles or is it walking in the Spirit? And, does, and whatever order that is in, I want to challenge you, does that line up with the way that Paul talked about it? Because there's an order there for a reason. My second thought, and I've got to blaze through this, is uh, so we've got to redirect our confidence and when you walk in the Spirit, you can begin to redirect your confidence. You start to see the positive effect that God has in your life, and you actually start to go, you know what? I'm actually, I actually have confidence that God is going to bring about the result that I want. In that same verse that I read before, it says, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit has desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. And those two forces are constantly fighting each other, the Spirit and the flesh. And I just want to pause because I wonder if you noticed what was fighting the flesh. It wasn't my willpower. It wasn't my determination or my grit. It was the spirit. The spirit is fighting the flesh. Too often we act as if it's our mind, it's our willpower that's fighting the flesh. You know, we have a temptation and and we fight it with willpower, but actually uh, the spirit is what fights the flesh. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Philippians 3 verse 3, Paul says, we put no confidence in the flesh. And then another verse, which I don't have in here, uh, talks about how the flesh 
is weak, but the flesh is weak. I don't want to put any confidence in the flesh, man. The flesh is weak. His desires that lead me to a place that I don't want to go to. And my struggle is not against my flesh anyway. And when it comes to temptation, there's a cycle that we need to break free of, which is not having confidence in the flesh. I want to go through a few things here. This is like a cycle that we all seem to go through. So the first thing that we face is a temptation. We have a temptation come our way and it happens to all of us. We're tempted to act out of our own will. We're tempted to um, give into a habit or something like that. And then this is what happens. This is how we try and get through it. We, per- we try and persevere. And perseverance is confidence in the flesh. We say to ourselves, I can handle it. Oh, my, my girlfriend and I, you know, we've, we've been uh, doing really well. We haven't crossed any boundaries. Uh, I know nobody's home right now, but I can handle it. Uh, this TV show, I know it's R-rated. I know there's sex scenes in it, but, you know, I, I can handle it. We think that we can persevere. And when we think that, we're just putting confidence in the flesh, which then just leads to sin. And sin, we just feel so terrible about, and that leads to guilt. But then the problem with guilt is we start to make new resolutions and we start to think, ah, oh, I've got to do so much. I've got to do better next time. And what's that doing? It's putting more confidence in the flesh. Yeah. I've got to do better next time. And there are studies that actually show that when we feel guilty about something, we try to feel better about it. We try to escape it. And sometimes the way that we try to escape it is by falling into the exact same temptation. We go again and again and again. And we think, nah, this time I can handle it. This time I can handle it. But confidence in the flesh. It's just, it's a bad road to go down. But you know, Jesus breaks this cycle. He breaks this cycle because by the time we get to guilt, you know what Jesus does? He says to the adulterous woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus does not condemn us. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now, therefore now, no condemnation. Paul is saying this after he talks about how much he's impinged by the flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we hit guilt and we feel guilty, but actually Jesus breaks the cycle by saying, I do not condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I hope, I hope. We're good at getting the order right, okay? Because we, we seem to think, again, the other way around. If I sin no more, then Jesus won't condemn me. Then I can go to church. No, 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 no. Jesus does not condemn you. Yeah. And that is then empowerment to go sin no more. The devil would love to get you to con- have confidence in the flesh once again and get you to get back into that cycle. But Jesus breaks the cycle. And you know, the best thing that you can do is just when you walk out today is just say, I'm not gonna trust my flesh this week. Joseph knew, Joseph fled. When Potiphar's wife, who is assumedly one of the more, most beautiful women in the land, she said, have sex with me. Literally, that's one of the translations, have sex with me. And he fled. He knew what to do. He was like, ah, oh, I can't stick around here long. I know I can't handle this. Um, and, and so he fled. And, and that's the kind of attitude that I want to have, especially towards um, things that are of a sexual nature, because the Bible talks specifically about flee from sexual immorality in, in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18. And so whatever we're going through, be careful about putting your confidence in the flesh and let's redirect our confidence to the spirit. Because when that moment comes, my flesh is going to fail me. I, and, and, and when my flesh is about to fail me, I want to know that I've got a strong spirit. I want to know that I've filled my spirit up so that I can lean on the spirit rather than having to lean on my flesh, which the scripture says is weak. So a couple of rapid fire questions uh, just to see where we're at. 
Are you stuck in a cycle of guilt? And if you are stuck in that cycle of guilt and trying to feel better about it, I hope you realise today that Jesus doesn't condemn you. Jesus does not condemn you. Are you trying to clean yourself up before coming to the one who is here to clean you up? An example that is shared probably at youth groups everywhere is too many people are trying to, have a, um, trying to get clean before they have a shower. Too many people are trying to clean themselves up before they come to Jesus. That's like the whole reason that I go to have a shower is to get clean. The whole reason that I come to Jesus so, he can, uh, so that he can give me the empowerment to go and sin no more. Do you place confidence in your own flesh to handle temptation and struggles? Is your spirit full or is it starving? And if church is the only place that you fill your spirit, but yet it still starves, I want to ask the question, can it really last that long? Maybe now's the time, maybe tonight's the night to join a life group. Maybe tonight's the night to talk to a leader about something that you've been facing and, and, and really just try and hit this on the head. Maybe this is the week where you decide, you know what, I know that tomorrow I'm going to be saying, hey, church was just yesterday, but my spirit needs it. My spirit needs it. So I'm going to invest in Bible journaling. I'm going to invest in worshipping in the car on the way to my work, whatever it is. So I just want to encourage us all tonight. Let's walk in the power of the Spirit. Let's get that order right. Wherever you've been pushing, wherever you've come to the end of your effort, let's choose this week. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me. I'm going to get up off the floor. I know I can't see around this big grand shopping centre of life. I'm going to look for the Holy Spirit's leading put my hand in his, let him lead me. And I really believe that if we can do that, then we're going to find ourselves winning way more battles that we thought we could fight. But it turns out it's not really a battle for us to fight. I want to pray for us all. God, I just thank you for every single person here. I thank you that we're not failures. No matter what we're facing, no matter what uh, no, what, no matter what splinters we've had, even if we've had them for a long time, I thank you that you don't condemn us. And I pray that every single person here tonight receives uh, a fresh feeling of not being condemned so that we can walk out of here feeling free, feeling light and ready to do as your word says, to go and sin no more, to not be able to fall into those temptations that we've fallen into before, but to be able to walk by the Spirit. Jesus name amen